Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, Matt and Lori Crouch host pastor and best-selling author, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Listen in as Dr. Jeffress shares insight on your spiritual gifts and how God is preparing your gifts for this world and eternity. Most people think they're living in hell and are ready to go to heaven or anywhere else, okay? So we need to talk about this glorious life that we have waiting for us. Uh, But at the same time, most people... uh, when they get too deep into this, they're a little too heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. Can you bring some balance to this today? Well, you know, I've heard that for so long, talking about Christians who think about heaven too much. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I've never met one person like that. <laughs> okay. I mean, the truth is that our problem is not that we think about heaven too much. It's that we think about it too little. Okay. You know, C.S. Lewis had a great quote. He said, if you look through history, you'll find that the Christians who made the most difference in this world are those who thought most about the next world. Mm-hmm. And he said, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. And uh, that's why I wrote this book, A Place Called Heaven. It is the hope of every Christian. And the fact that we are going to be there a thousand years from now and for all eternity really ought to affect how we live our lives right now. I love it. You know, you think about (laughs) all these people and different religions and stuff that don't believe there's a heaven. And man, when I just even try to even go there or think that and, and you lose a child, how do people even even make it through? Why why I don't see what life is worth living if you don't believe that there is a greater, more beautiful place awaiting. Awaiting That's right. for us. And, and you know, one of the benefits, Laurie and Matt, about talking about heaven is it helps temper the suffering that we all experience in this life. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said this light momentary affliction is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. And you know, when you think about it, Paul said his temporary, his light affliction, he was beaten three different times within an inch of his life. He was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned, he was ultimately beheaded. He said, but that's light compared to the great glory that awaits us in heaven. And I think that's one of the benefits of talking about heaven. It puts our current suffering into perspective. I think also, you know, we talk about heaven, it helps remind us how momentary our life is right now when we think about the eternality of heaven. And uh, I think it also helps us to prepare for future judgment. You know, the Bible says non-Christians are going to stand before the uh, great white throne judgment, but most people don't realize that we as Christians are going to also be judged by God. One of the 10 questions I answer in this book is the question, will heaven be the same for everybody? 
And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. uh, heaven is not going to be some sanctified uh, type of socialism where everybody gets their little same plot of land and match. There are going to be rewards in heaven. And what we do in this life matters forever. Second Corinthians 5 says, for we must all, talking to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may be rewarded for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or worthless. And I think that's one of the most controversial and yet, yet enlightening chapters of this book, A Place Called Heaven, is the chapter on rewards in heaven mm -hmm. and why what we do right now matters yes. forever. Mm. You know, uh, if you kind of wind the clock back a little bit and Paul and Jan Crouch in the 1980s, sitting with the Evie Hill, sitting with some of these uh, great theologians of that time. And, and I remember a couple of times when an old timer named Paul Bilheimer yes. uh, started weighing in on heaven. I'm thinking of an interview that probably took place in the early 80s, probably. And he started talking about life on earth making more sense when you zoom out and include eternity. Mm. Because his assertion was people are on the job training for eternity. Yes. You just basically said that there are rewards. You're not going to get to heaven and everybody gets the same experience. There's going to be rewards for what you attempted to do. I, I bet it has more to do with stepping out on faith than we understand at this point. But ultimately, when you get to the ideas of what's going on in March of 2022, it almost like can reframe the way you look at the issues of the day that you need to really think about the future. Mm -hmm. So kind of walk us through that rank in heaven, as Dr. Bilheimer would say. That was his term for it. Are you, uh, uh, how, how, do we, how do we reframe somebody's mind to understand trouble in this life might be an advantage for you later? Well. You hit on so many good things in that short question, but I think one of the misconceptions people have about heaven is that when we die, we become somebody else. Wow. Uh, it's not somebody else who goes to heaven when we die. It is we who go to heaven. <laughs> right. Our life is a continuum that begins right now and transcends past death throughout all eternity. And uh, the gifts that we have right now, the interests that we have right now, don't stop at the grave, they continue. Um, you know, I think one reason people uh, have a hard time getting uh, excited about heaven is they're afraid heaven's gonna be one long, unending church service, 24-7. <laughs> they don't get excited about that. The fact is, worship is gonna be a part of what we do, but it's yeah. not gonna be the only thing we're gonna do. We're gonna have work in heaven to do. And the work we have in heaven is probably gonna to correspond to what we do here on earth. Our interests and our gifts aren't for the 70 or 80 years mm -hmm. that God gives us right now. They're the gifts that are gonna last forever. The unique gifts you all have in broadcasting, the gifts that you have in entrepreneurship. Why would we think God would give us those gifts for just a few years? God has an eternity for us to reign in and to work in. And so what we are doing right now is a clue to what heaven is going to be like and what we're going to be in, doing in the new heaven and new earth. And I think when you talk about the troubles we've had here on earth, somebody I read one time said, 
when compared to the glory of heaven, the worst suffering on earth will be viewed as nothing but a one-night stay in a bad motel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we'll be able to look one day on this life. So do you buy the, let's say, the Paul Bilheimer assertion, life is on-the-job training for eternity? Yes, I think it is. I mean, I think life matters right now. It has consequences right now, but I do think it's preparatory for what still awaits each of us. You know, if I can just share a little bit about a dream that you had had, and I'll, I'll make it quick. You're going to tell <laughs> my gonna dream? I'm going to tell your dream about seeing your dad, because this is what I remember you telling me. Okay. Is that um, <laughs> after Papa had passed, you were having a conversation with him, and felt like he was going to turn her away and mm-hmm. leave you. And you, you were trying to ask him a question, but wait, 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 before you go, let me ask you this. And Papa turned and, and let go. And, and he said to me uh, in, that, in that dream, he said, when my dad turned around and looked at me and then turned, he said, the, the smile in his face and everything about right what I had, that, that, that download, said to me was, I'm busy. This is your calling now. You do it's what God time. tells you. It's your time. I've got something else. Do, I'm going to go do something much more important right now. You have a theologian sitting across, I, <laughs> so I want to I clean up one thing. All right, just I was in out. a nighttime dream, okay? My dad never said anything to me, but he smiled at me. Mm-hmm. When I woke, it felt like I was flooded with what the smile that he left me with was, I know the answer to the questions you have. I could answer them, (laughs) but it's not my time anymore. It's your time. Yeah. And so there is... And I have something, my whole point was, and I have... And I I am busy. I have my thing to do. You're on earth now. You have your thing to do. Go do it. It's your time now. Yeah. And so... Because I was, uh, it was interesting because it's, a, it's interesting that you brought that up. I, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, because what I think brought on that dream was this kind of help to me in what I was doing is I was getting ready to go into, right after my dad's death, a board meeting or this meeting or that meeting or a meeting with the financial guys or whatever. And I remember touching the door handle to the conference room and just saying, Lord, be with me. Jesus, mm-hmm. wait, no, Dad? Dad, Dad, do you need to be with me? Uh, wait, who do I need here? You know, and, and I, was, I was in this temporary 30, 45 days of confusion. And I, you know, at some point don't recall why I was wondering about that. But it was just a, an interesting thing. Do I need my dad with me? Do I need Jesus? Do I need, you know, you know, and so, (laughs) yeah, I got that now. Uh, And ask me, (laughs) it was just temporary. Okay. (laughs) So ultimately that dream was this kind of really solid settlement that set things in, in an order that it was my time. I, I, I know some people that when their relatives go to heaven they get stuck. Mm-hmm. And I think I might have lived a life or I would have been tempted to live a life to say, what would not Jesus do? What would PFC do? Mm-hmm. 
And okay. that all went away in that moment. Mm. And it was directly messaged, I think, to me. Again, in the dream, my dad never said anything. But when I woke, it felt like I heard a lot of kind of phrases. It's not my time down there. It's your time. It's go. So what, whatever we're experiencing down here, okay, it feels like there is rank, there is uh, jobs, there is busyness in heaven, according to the little moment I had briefly in a, in a nighttime dream. I heard somebody say one time, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are mm-hmm. spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I mean, I think there's a transcendence between this life and the next life. I think God, I don't put in God in a box as to what he can do. I think he gives us what we need. If it is uh, your dad's image and turning away to tell you that the work is being passed on to you, I believe God does that. Yeah. So most of the time, Dr. Robert Jeffress, uh, by the way, uh, thank you for being here on Praise. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> just it's, it's not every day we host our number one Fine. viewed uh, programmer. Uh, so it's very nice to have you. We okay. love partnering with TBN and thank the you. tremendous growth of this network has been something I believe Paul and Jan Crouch are in heaven rejoicing over because as I say in one of the chapters in this book, yes, people in heaven know what's happening on earth and we talk about why that's true. So congratulations. Uh, so we're, we're, but most of the time, if you're holding up a book called the Pla- A Place Called Heaven, it's because somebody died and experienced something and then comes and writes a book about that experience. You didn't die, right? Not that I know no, of. No, okay. <laughs> so you didn't have a near-death experience. You didn't have, like, you know, nothing. So where where did this come from if you didn't have some kind of near-death experience that you're explaining? Well, first of all, it came from the Bible <laughs> because that's our only reliable guide to heaven. And we can get into this later, but one of the questions. I answer the 10 most frequently asked questions about heaven. And you just touched on one of them. Have some people died and visited heaven already? And we talk about that. But that's not where this book came from. I wrote this book for two purposes. One is to encourage people, because as I said, we all desire a better place in which to live. But the second reason is to inform people. The fact is, Christians are very ignorant about heaven. Most of what most Christians know about heaven comes from the movies or from television (laughs) or from a Hallmark card. They don't come from God's Word. And so we're answering questions in this book like, what will we do in heaven? Uh, Do we know one another in heaven? Do people in heaven know what's happening on earth? And how can I prepare for my journey to heaven? The 10 most frequently asked questions. And uh, these are not the words of Robert. These are the words of God that we refer to. Okay. So start with the one you just mentioned. Uh, Have people visited heaven and come back? And tell us about it. I want to be careful here because I know you've interviewed some great people on your show who have had these near-death experiences or death experiences and come back. And I believe God can do whatever he wants to do. But when I look at the scripture, I find there are a lot of people who were raised from the dead before Jesus was resurrected. And, but they came back to life and they died again. Think about poor old Lazarus. <laughs> he had to die twice. <laughs> but there's no account of those people ever ex- explaining what they saw when they came back. Even Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, remember he was caught up to the third heaven? 
but he was instructed, do not write down anything that you have seen or heard. And I would just say this about people who write books. If their account, if their experience contradicts Scripture, then their words are untrue. If their experience confirms Scripture, then their words are unnecessary. <laughs> uh, I mean, the fact is, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul talks about being caught up to meet the Lord together, the rapture, mm -hmm. and the fact that there's a great life for us uh, after death. And he says, comfort one another with these words. God has given us every word we need for comfort. He's told us everything we need to know about heaven. So that's why I don't put a lot of stock in these accounts. I don't dismiss all of them. But I would say if you really want to know about heaven, go to God's word. Okay, just putting you in the category. You're not a big fan of, you know, heaven experiences and then books later. Not a big fan. Real heaven experiences. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're okay with real ones. They're better than the hell experience. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, if in March of 2022, some people think life here is a hell and this is an encouragement because there is a place and mm -hmm. it's being prepared for us now and God's with us and he loves us and heaven is our eternal home. Um, <clears throat> what is, let's say, the biggest misconception? What do you want to clarify as kind of the, the, the biggest, yeah, you got that one wrong. Heaven is not that, it's this. Yeah. There are several of them that we talk about in the book. One is that uh, we become somebody else when we die. Uh, you know, the fact that it is we who go to heaven and therefore you know, the relationship we're developing with the Lord right now, it's going to last forever. This life is just a runway that's leading either directly into heaven or directly into hell. But it's just important to remember that we're the ones who go to heaven. Another misconception people have about heaven is that heaven is someplace up there somewhere in the other world, we're going to be floating around. No, Revelation 21 says, John says, I saw the new Jerusalem. That's the city God is preparing for us right now in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, that place is the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven to earth. I call the new Jerusalem the ultimate and prefab housing. God, <laughs> and Jesus is up there building it, but it's going to come to earth. And Revelation gives us the dimension of that city that's going to be the centerpiece of our existence. It is 1,500 miles cubed. Now, 1,500 miles times 1,500 miles, that's over 2 million square feet. Now, New York City is 300 square miles. I'm talking about square miles. This is over 2 million square miles. New York City is 300 square miles. This is 2 million square miles, but it's cubed, meaning it goes up in the sky 1,500 miles. That would be 660,000 stories. So that means that the New Jerusalem has enough room to house 20 billion people if you gave each one 75 acres. So when you say, I don't see how heaven's going to be big enough for everybody. Well, first of all, there are not going to be as many people there as we think there are, but there is going to be plenty of room, and it's going to be right here on planet Earth. We're not going someplace else. We're not floating around in outer space. 
This earth is going to be our ultimate home, but it's going to be the way God prepared it. Mm. You know, my predecessor at First Baptist Church, Dr. Crystal, used to say, if I thought I was going to spend all eternity up there in some planet I've never heard of, <laughs> I wouldn't get excited about that. I like this earth. Mm -hmm. I like everything about it, except the pain and the suffering and death, mm -hmm. and that will be gone forever. So it's this earth, not some other place, that is going to be our ultimate destination. Mm -hmm. I have to remind you, though, that you kind of enhance the stereotype by putting clouds on the cover of your book. <laughs> okay. So you could have put an earth and a city, and you could have done that. Okay, so you fell into the trap, okay? Okay, all right. That, that was the art director. Okay, yeah, no, no responsibility <laughs> no for responsibility. the cover. Um, okay, uh, have some people already visited heaven? What will we do in heaven? Will we know one another in heaven? What difference does the future make in my life today? That's a good one. Go off that one. Yeah, well, I think heaven should make a difference in how we live our life every day. I think, first of all, it makes us uh, sure, we want to be sure that we enter uh, heaven, that we're welcomed into heaven. The last uh, chapter in the book is how do I prepare for my journey to heaven? I want you to imagine for just a moment that you got a notice from your employer that you're going to be transferred to a foreign country in six months and that the move was going to be a permanent one. How would you prepare for that move? You know, wow. you'd make sure you learned everything you could about that new country you're going to be in. There's all kind of preparation you would make, but the first preparation you would make is to make sure you've got a proper passport. You know, you can't get into a foreign country without a proper passport. And there's only one passport that will allow you into heaven. It's not one stamped Baptist or <laughs> Methodist or Jew or Muslim. It's a passport that's stamped forgiven. Mm -hmm. Only forgiven people are going to enter into heaven. I've got to tell you this one story. Years ago, when I was youth minister at First Baptist Dallas, we took our 200-voice youth choir to the Soviet Union. It was 1978, the height of the wow. Cold War. 78. 1978, wow. 200 teenagers. And it was such a tense time over there, we couldn't wait to get out. And finally, the night came that we were leaving Moscow to go to Rome. And so we got to the Moscow airport, and I sent all the teenagers through passport control. I was going to be the last one going through because I was the leader. And my wife, we'd been married a year, was on the other side waiting for me to come through. I reached for my passport. It wasn't there. Oh, dear. I panicked. I oh. panicked. I panicked. <laughs> I explained to the guard. They were calling our flight. Those were my teenagers. I had to get on by. He was not moved by my begging at all. I didn't know what I was going to do. Amy was standing on the other side crying, imagining her new husband in a Russian gulag for the rest of his life. <laughs> At the very last moment, one of the adult sponsors started laughing, reached in his pocket, and pulled out my passport. He had taken it as a joke. Oh, Believe me, I wasn't Lord. laughing. If there is a place called hell, and there is, <laughs> it's reserved for people who would do that. But, you know, that's cool. a great picture yeah. of what many people will find oh, themselves wow. doing on the judgment day. Wow. Jesus said on that last day, people will beg me, say to me, Lord, did we not cast out demons? Did we not perform miracles in your name? Mm. And I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Mm. And if you're watching this broadcast right now and you're interested in heaven, know that the most important thing you can do, not the only thing, but the most important thing you can do to get ready 
is to make sure you have that passport that says forgiven. That's what Jesus Christ offers you when you trust in him for your savior. He gives you the forgiveness that you and I cannot earn ourselves. And that's why we need to prepare right now for this place called heaven. Lead people to Jesus. Let's do it. Well, if you want that assurance that you're going to be welcomed and not rejected when that judgment comes, you know, either we're going or he, he's coming, but our life is very short here on earth. If you would like that assurance that God is going to welcome you in heaven, I want to invite you wherever you are to just bow your head for this moment and say this simple prayer to God to receive his gift of forgiveness. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I have failed you in many ways, and I'm truly sorry for the sins in my life. But I believe what I've heard, that you love me so much you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you, Lord. To take the punishment that I deserve to take for my sins. And right now, I'm trusting in what Jesus did for me, not in my good works, but in what Jesus did for me to save me from my sins. Thank you for forgiving me and help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Beautiful. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. What will we do in heaven? Uh, do people in heaven know what's happening on earth? We've touched on some of these. Uh, let's do, what will we do in heaven? Yeah. What, what's going to happen there? You know, 2 Timothy 2 says, if we endure with Christ, we will reign with Christ. So we are going to have some part in managing not just this earth, although this is central to where we're going to be. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the only place we're going to be. There are other planets. There are other galaxies over which we will rule with Christ. But I think, again, a clue to what we're going to be doing is going to be our gifts and our interests. Um, God works in us. Philippians 2 said, it is God who is working in you to give you the power and the desire to know his will. If you want to know what God's will for you in this life is, ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What needs do I see in the world that I get excited about? What is it I have a desire to do? God works through our desires, but he also works through our giftedness. What is it that when I do it, people say, you know, you were born to do that. Mm. What is it that gives me fulfillment? What is it that seems effortless for me to do? When you know what your desires are and what your gifts are, that's a clue to what you should be doing now. And since we're eternal beings, it's a clue to what you're going to do in the future. Hmm. Laura, you may relate to this. You accomplish so much, but I know my wife, you know, she loves to write. Hmm. But between, uh, you know, taking care of me and <laughs> taking care of our triplet grandchildren with my wonderful daughter who's here in the uh, studio, she doesn't have time to do a lot of what she wants to. And she said to me the other day, 
maybe this desire to write, maybe it's not for this life, it's going to be in the next life I'm going to be writing books. I think that's very possible. Um, You know, are we going to have entertainment in the new heaven and new earth? Well, sure, it's not going to be some of this filthy stuff you see, but there could be Christian television. There could be Christian broadcasting. I think we limit God when we think this world is all that there is, and it's the only place we can use our gifts. I remember your dad always saying, when I get to heaven, I want to be the head of the FCC. FCC. (laughs) (laughs) I would vote for him for that. (laughs) I remember um, when we did the memorial service for my dad, we basically did a TV show and we put it on the air and we had people, you know, kind of speak into maybe what they would have said at a funeral. I remember, I remember, you know, it's such a, it's such a solemn occasion when you're (laughs) creating a documentary about the, you know, remembrance, the service for your own father. And I remember it being kind of this real heavy thing that I was doing. And then I remember hitting the button on a on a, a machine that was the clip that um, John Hagee had sent. And it just made me giggle. And I, I used it right up front because he, you know, everyone else was saying, you know, they were using the, you know, the funeral tone and the, you know, in their yes. voice and their, you know, Dr. Crouch, you know, and we, we get, we send, you know, prayers and and love to the family and you know doing all the kind of the normal stuff we do and john hey i hit the button and john hagee goes all i know is paul crouch is in heaven already taking overs <laughs> and he's probably already gotten tv stations also you know and and john is is just kind of doing this thing i remember just thinking you know what that's the attitude we need to have this yeah. life is a vapor we're going to a place and it's going to be uh, probably scarily similar to this life without the pain and misery and tears and, you know, all of that. You know, you asked a great question a few moments ago and then you referred to it again. One of the questions we answer is where do Christians go when they die? And there's a difference between our temporary destination and our ultimate destination. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says... To die, for a Christian to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. When we die, we immediately go into the presence of Jesus. We are immediately aware. There's no soul sleep. Luke 16 tells about Lazarus and the rich man. Both died. They were both aware of either heaven or hell. We go to be with the Lord wherever that is. That's the third heaven. But that's not our final destination. Mm. Our final destination when we return with the Lord at the second coming will be here on earth. So wherever your dad is right now, he's not buying those TV stations yet, (laughs) but that's still future when he returns to this earth that God recreated. So you just corrected John Hagee's theology. Well, yeah, got it. Pastor, what do you say to people that, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that have been in church during their life at one time or another and maybe committed their life to Christ. They think that maybe, yeah, I think, I think I'm, from what I know, when I die, I'm going to heaven, I'll be with Jesus, but nothing else matters down here Yeah. as far as what we, looking forward and what we, what we all believe is going to happen in heaven. What do you tell those people who, they've got their bus ticket, 
Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think they better be sure they've got a ticket. Yeah. yeah. They may not, because I don't find anything in Scripture that validates somebody being saved and having no fruit whatsoever mm. in results of their salvation. It's not that we're saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And the fact is, and this is the uh, key chapter in this book, heaven is not going to be the same for everybody. There are degrees of heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat that we may be rewarded for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or worthless. 1 Corinthians 3 says the judgment of Christ at that judgment seat will be like fire, and he who has his works burned up like wood, hay, and stubble, he will suffer loss. People are going to sense real loss when they see what their lives could have been had they been more faithful to Christ. And people say, wait a minute, Pastor, you're getting off track here. Heaven's going to be filled with joy. How can it also be a place of regret and loss? And I'd use this illustration. Just imagine your insurance salesman calls you up and says, you know, I think you ought to increase your policy. You're underinsured by $100,000. You say, well, I'll think about it. A couple of nights later, you wake up, your house is on fire, you smell the smoke, you grab your wife, hopefully, or husband and children, and you only have one exit, you knock the front window out, and you climb through it, and you're standing on the grass watching your house go up in flames. What will be your emotion at that moment? Mm. Well, certainly joy that you escaped the flames. You'll be grateful to God for that. But don't you think there will be a little bit of regret that you didn't up that insurance policy and you see everything you own going up in flames? Mm. That's going to be the experience for some Christians at the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, they're going to be grateful that they escaped hell. But there's going to be a loss as God shows them what could have been theirs Mm. had they been not more faithful to Christ. Mm. I think we have to be careful here. To overdo the regret aspect of heaven is to turn heaven into hell, and we don't want to do that. But to underestimate the regret that some people will feel makes obedience in this life inconsequential. And that's why I think we need to be clear with people. Heaven will not be the same for every believer. You know, I had an experience one time, and that kind of throws a whole new light on... um, and I've told it before, but I was sitting at a table and I just had a, I guess, an, a, a day vision. Everything turned to black. My world just turned to, a, and I was sitting in a restaurant and it was just pitch black. So I was having some kind of a vision or something. I knew my son was sitting beside me. I knew Matt had just gotten up from the table for a minute. And I just hear a voice and I'm in pitch blackness. And the Lord says, what do you have to give me? And I knew God, it was like I was the only spirit that had ever been created. And God was asking me, what do you have to give me? And, and so I went through this moment of my whole life flashed before my eyes. And it was almost like I was looking down at the world, watching, every, just watching everything that had, had happened in my life. And I, but, but what I want to pinpoint right here is that the times of worry, the times of stress, the times that um, difficulty, struggling, all, all of the bad stuff of life where I wasn't standing in faith, all of that time 
flashed before my eyes and all I remember is, oh my God, I wasted mm. so much time. Mm. And, that, and I can't stress enough that when there was nothing and the only time, Pastor Jeffers, the only thing that I had to give God was the times that I stood in faith, the times where I declared Jesus was Lord over my circumstances and, and everything that had any tangibility, any, any currency was my faith in Jesus Christ. But everything else in my life mm -hmm. that was nothing was so wasted. Mm -hmm. And I felt that so deeply of, oh my God. And I, and I remember saying, God, let me go back. When I go back, I knew, you know, I knew I wasn't crazy, but it was like, let this change me so that when I, when I live the rest of my life, let me have all those opportunities to believe you, to, to stand in the face of a sickness or in the face of death and say, death, where's your sting? Sickness, God is the great physician. He's my provider. He's my joy. He's my all those times that where you stand and declare who God is in your life. I believe that is the currency of yes. heaven. Yes. And my faith and my trust in Jesus was all that I have to give, to give God. And the rest was such a wasted time. And you know, your testimony is the testimony of a lot of viewers right now. They look back maybe with some regret yeah. on time that has been wasted. Yeah. And I think you would encourage them and we would all encourage you by saying, it's never too late to start doing the yeah. right thing. Right. And if you have wasted time, tell the Lord about it. Mm -hmm. Confess that. But make that commitment now to start living for him. And you know, the supernatural thing about God is he's able to make up for the years the locusts have he eaten, is. as the yeah. scripture says. Yeah. He's able to allow our repentance to be a repentance without regret. And remember, your life doesn't end when it ends here on earth. It goes throughout eternity. So as you think about heaven, as you think about eternity, make that commitment right now. Lord, yes, I've wasted time, but I'm going to commit with every ounce of strength you give me to start living for you until I see you again face to face. So good. I remember when uh, Lori talked about this experience. She, um, she told me about it. She told others about it. She's, she's mentioned it several times on the air. And one of the aspects of it that I remember so vividly when she was communicating it to me is that she tried to make excuses, you know, like yeah. you were making excuses in Russia trying to get yeah. out, but I have kids here that I'm responsible <laughs> for, but, yeah. but, 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 but. There was and nothing to Every time she <laughs> tried to make an excuse. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even say That it. <laughs> person or that event crumbled away yeah. and it was just really her and him. Yes. Yeah. See, so circumstances Nobody don't to matter. Blame. No one to blame. Mm -hmm. She didn't get to blame me in heaven. I can't blame <laughs> her in heaven as much as she would like to and attempted to on that, in that experience. Uh, it was her and him. Mm -hmm. See, 
That's why, that's why that portion of the scripture is so important when Jesus looked at Peter and the rest of the disciples and said, who do you say that I am? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, it ultimately not, boils down to that. Yeah. Who do you say that I am? Yeah. yeah. And, that that and, one-on-one, my husband's not going to be standing with me at right. judgment day. Yeah. My parents, my president, my, <laughs> nobody is going to be able, to be, able blamed. to be blamed. You know, it was interesting, that turnstile at the Moscow airport it only allowed one person through at a time. Yeah. We go one by one. There it is. And we face God one by one. You know, people ask me all the time, well, you do, do you think this group, are Mormons going to be in heaven? Are Catholics mm-hmm. going to be in heaven? Are Baptists going to be in heaven? I say, nobody goes to heaven or hell in a group. We mm-hmm. go one by yeah. one yeah. based on our personal relationship together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Sure. So I was thinking this was going to be a lot more about like tiptoeing through the daisies and tulips and stuff like that. <laughs> This heaven's a heaven's a serious matter, isn't it? It is the ultimate matter because <laughs> heaven is where God is, and we're talking about our relationship with God. Okay, so your um, take on this is this isn't your opinion, right? No. Okay. <laughs> so all you've done is looked into some of the top questions about heaven, That's right. and then you've searched out scripture. That's right. Okay. So. None, no opinions in here. No. <laughs> right? No opinions except yeah. God's, hopefully. <laughs> okay. So what, what, your, what your point here is to basically do what? What do we want when somebody gets this and gives it to their neighbor? Somebody gets this, gives it to a, you know, what, what's, the, what's the takeaway of your intent of somebody going through this book? Well, it's more than just to inform people. Yes, we need to understand what the Bible says about heaven, but it's to encourage people uh, to be hopeful about the future, but it's also to stimulate people to order their lives right now around the fact that they are going to meet God and to prepare for heaven. And uh, again, for a non-Christian, preparing for heaven begins with getting that passport stamped forgiven. But for a Christian, it means uh, many things to prepare for heaven. I talk about in the book living with a here-there mindset. You know, the fact is we do have responsibilities here on earth. uh, But we also have things we need to do to be ready for heaven. Jonathan Edwards said one time when he was 19, one of his resolutions was to live every hour as if it would be the last hour of my life. I think thinking about heaven helps us to do that, to want to live in a way that prepares us for eternity. So I would say inform, encourage, and motivate people to start living in a way that pleases God. I started the broadcast by quoting our common friend, uh, O.S. Hawkins, a thousand years from today, you will be alive. I want people to think about that for a moment. I use this illustration in the book. Just imagine... Uh, Mount Everest. And imagine there is a bird that comes once every million years to sharpen its beak on the top of Mount Everest. Sharpens its beak, goes away for a million years. By the time that bird has worn down Mount Everest, eternity will not have even begun yet. I mean, we are going to worship God and be in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever that Greek word, ionos, forever, is the same word that describes the eternality of hell. 
those who don't know Christ as Savior will be cast in the lake of fire and will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. Eternity is too long to be wrong about this. We need to know Christ as Savior. And then we need to live our lives ready for that place called heaven. And I would just say to our audience right now watching, Jesus had a great promise in John 14. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. It's a place more wonderful than anything you could possibly imagine. It's a place where every disappointment will evaporate and every dream will come true. It's a place reserved only for those who know Christ as Savior. It's a place called heaven. And I hope we're going to see you there in that place called heaven one day. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week. 